Congratulations, mortal. You have discovered the War Games Orchard March Madness bonus episode. You have performed the correct rites and rituals. Or perhaps you just looked at your podcast feed. Either way, welcome to a very special episode of the War Games Orchard. I was feeling kind of bad that I couldn't get anything out last week, so... You know what? You get two episodes this week. This is going to be a little bit of a mini episode because we covered a lot on our Mad Count episode and I don't have to go over news or hobbies, so we're going to jump right into it. And what is it that we're jumping into? We are jumping into Conrad von Karstein, the Mad Vampire Count. Conrad is a really interesting lore character. He's been around for a long time, but didn't get any rules until the later era of Warhammer Fantasy. He has always been a lore character that suffered from numerous, numerous derangements and madnesses. So he is the perfect specimen for our March Madness look at the uh, otter characters of Warhammer Fantasy. Now, cast your mind back to 2051. This is roughly 470-odd years before the modern Warhammer Fantasy timeline. This is the year where the Vampire Wars came to their dramatic climax. The Siege of Altdorf by Vlad von Karstein and his undead army. Vlad was very, very close to becoming the immortal undying emperor of the empire. Luckily, his ambition was thwarted by the Grand Theogenist, who sacrificed his life to finally end Vlad's, after a little bit of cunning had led to Vlad's Karstein ring being stolen, meaning he could no longer come back from death. A fitting end to Vlad's story. But not the end of the von Karstein vampires, no. Really only the end of the beginning. After Vlad's death in 2502, there were five vampires that could all claim the title of the vampire lord of Sylvania, Each one had been turned by Vlad himself, so they were kind of his vampire get or vampire sons. There was Fritz, Hans, Pieter, Conrad, and Manfred. Of course, we all know that Manfred would go on to have a long and treacherous history, and that even continues to this day in Age of Sigmar. Fritz, Hans, and Pieter, those are names that we are not as familiar with. So let's quickly go over what happened to these other claimants to the von Karstein throne. Fritz was killed while attempting to besiege Middenheim. Hans was killed by Conrad after a quarrel over who was the toughest. Do not quarrel with Conrad, by the way. He is a terrifying vampire. And Pieter was captured in his coffin by the witch hunter Helmut van Hal, who was a distant descendant of the infamous van Hal vampire. Now, this left... Conrad and Manfred as the two successors to Vlad. Manfred was content to bide his time. 
Conrad was not. Let's talk a little bit about Conrad's history. This I'm going to take from the fourth edition Undead Army book. This is the first mention that we get of Conrad von Karstein in the Warhammer fluff, and his fluff is very consistent through the era. We get a few little bits and pieces and details, but we're going to start here because, well, it's the beginning, and I've been told that's a very good place to start. Conrad von Karstein was completely mad. Even when he had walked amongst the living, he had the reputation of being a blood-mad butcher, cruel, merciless, and insanely ruthless. For his pleasure, he had once ordered every cat in his domain to be used as sport for his crossbowmen. On at least two occasions, he had peasant villages put to the torch because he didn't like the smell. He tried his mother for the crime of having given birth to him without his consent, and then had her bricked up in her own tower. Acquiring power and longevity of one of the undead did nothing to strengthen his already shaky grasp on reality. His reign of terror lasted nearly a century, and caused his name to be used to frighten children to this very day. Lacking any skill at necromancy himself, he enslaved any magicians he captured, and forced them to do his evil will. Soon he headed a huge army that ravaged the length and breadth of the empire. Where Vlad had always offered his opponents the choice between life and death, Conrad offered them the choice between dying immediately and dying painfully. Where Vlad von Karstein had looked upon humans as cattle to be husbanded, as a farmer would husband his livestock, Conrad looked on humans the way a cruel sportsman would look on a herd of deer. Conrad was so vicious that he forced the three claimants of the imperial throne to combine forces against him on two separate occasions. The first was at the Battle of Four Armies, an inconclusive draw fought outside Middenheim in 2100. The battle was most noticeable for the infamous scene of treachery where Ludwig's son, Ludwig, and the Attila of Tabakland treacherously ordered the assassination of each other during the fray. The only thing that stopped Helmut of Marienburg from becoming emperor was the fact that Conrad killed him. Even Helmut's son, Helmar, refused to accept his father's claim to the throne once he was a zombie under Conrad's control. The second time this happened was at Grim Moor, where a combined army of human and dwarves finally defeated Conrad in the spring of 2121. The dwarf hero Grufbad held Conrad down, while Helmar impaled his father's killer with his runefang. This was the very early fluff of Conrad, and this isn't going to change very much, but we will get some more details. So the end part there where it talks about the various imperial nobles trying to kill each other during this battle, and actually succeeding, which we don't really get from that story, but it will be spelled out to us a little bit more with a little bit more detail in the latter army books. The reason for all of this is because this was during the time of the three emperors in the empire. It was a long part of the empire's history that lasted, I believe, around 500 years, in which there were three separate claimants to the imperial throne. And this caused no end of problems. It was actually a big catalyst for the Vampire Wars to begin with, as Vlad saw a weak and divided empire and decided that it would be much better if he was at the head of it. Conrad's fluff is going to be padded out through the eras. It exists as a bit of a curio in... The fourth edition book, because Conrad didn't have any rules during the Hero Hammer era, 
he wouldn't get proper rules until 7th edition, though he did get rules for a scenario, the Battle of Essen Ford, in White Dwarf Magazine during 6th edition. So we will go over those rules in a moment. But what I want to share with you is Conrad's Fluff from 8th edition, because this has been rewritten, and this gives us a further look into his personality and his his madness. There are a few things more dangerous than a violent lunatic, but one of them is an immortal violent lunatic with the strength and speed of a vampire. Adding a literal thirst for blood to Conrad's figurative one did little for the nobles' stretched sanity. The first of the von Karsteins had considered this as a potential advantage, and Conrad was one of the last of the von Karsteins to be embraced into the family. Perhaps Conrad's complete lack of scruples and his tenuous grasp on reality amused Vlad. In retrospect, however, it might have better served his dynasty if Vlad had simply cut off Conrad's head when the chance first presented itself. His insane depravity resulted in far more harm than good. Once given the blood kiss, Conrad made no attempt to hide his supernatural powers and fed openly on his friends and subjects, as well as rats, cats, cows, wandering peddlers, and anything else with a pulse that came too close. Conrad appointed himself as something of a berserk enforcer for Vlad, executing anyone who displeased the Count. This naturally also included anyone who displeased Conrad. Over time, this encompassed many victims, including enemy generals, priests of all descriptions, people with a squint, and several necromancers who had laughed at Conrad's pitiful magical skills. When Conrad usurped power after Vlad's death, he took a very different view to necromancers and encouraged many to join his entourage. He rewarded them greatly, for though he was barking mad, Conrad was no fool. He needed the necromancers to raise his armies for him, and while they served him well, he guaranteed their safety. In battle, Conrad would lose all self-restraint. He reveled in the shedding of blood and was a skilled swordsman. Driven on by a never-ending rage, Conrad led his army as more a bloodthirsty whirlwind than a general, his unconscious will pushing his minions forward. However, when in this state, Conrad was also prone to excessive feeding, and would sometimes stop in the middle of a battle to lick clean his armor and sword, or drink from fallen enemies. It was during one of these blood-drunk fits that Conrad was slain by the dwarf thane Grufbad and the elector Count Helmar. So it gives you a little bit more of a peer into Conrad's madness and, and general state of mind. Another thing that we find in the 8th edition book is that the era of Conrad's reign is described in a little bit more detail. So I'm not going to read you the whole thing, but I am going to read you an excerpt from it that sheds a little bit more light on the battles that Conrad fought and the fallout for the empire of Conrad's reign of terror. Conrad's ambitions paled in comparison to Vlad's, for he sought not to rule as a vampire emperor, but only to immerse himself in bloody slaughter. His warmongering took his army as far south as Nome and the Grey Mountains, and it was here that the mad vampire Count first met the Knights of Blood Keep. Though Conrad's behavior was neither honorable nor noble, the promise of great victories was enough to win the Blood Knights to his cause. With the Blood Knights in his vanguard, Conrad defeated every foe sent against him. Despite his frequent bouts of hysteria and grave tactical errors, none could stand against the raw power of Conrad the Beast's armored hosts. 
At Kleibersdorf, Conrad faced the army of Averland. Archers and mortars took a heavy toll on the Sylvanian army, but Conrad threatened and pleaded with his necromancers to keep his army moving forward. He offered power and riches to his captive wizards, and they acceded, combining their powers to unleash a scourging wind on the Averland forces. As dark magic whipped around the soldiers, ethereal hands clawed at their souls. Panic began to spread as an unnatural gale slew more and more men. In a moment of rare clarity, Conrad saw that the moment was ripe and unleashed his blood knights and Drakenhof guard. Faced with insubstantial terrors and armored vampires charging them, the Averland army broke and fled. Conrad pursued them for five days, hunting down and killing every last man. Conrad also instigated a war with the dwarfs, against the cautious advice of his few counselors. Undead armies raided outlying settlements connected with Zufbar, rousing the ire of the dwarfs within. Led by the king of Zufbar, the dwarfs mounted an expedition into Sylvania to hunt Conrad. At Naktafen, Conrad rode forth to meet them. Conrad's army fared badly at first, with the power of the dwarven runesmiths quelling the magic of Conrad's pet necromancers. Robbed of their sustaining energy, the skeletons and zombies of Conrad's host lay where they fell, blasted by cannons and handguns. Conrad remained confident despite these setbacks. He launched an all-out attack on the right flank of the dwarf army, leading the assault himself and seeking out every runesmith in the throng. Whilst the blood knights smashed into disciplined ranks of dwarfs, Conrad cut down the runesmiths and fed on their spilt blood. As they gained magical ascendancy, Conrad's necromancers were able to resurrect the fallen warriors of the undead army, and, under the urging of Conrad, the unliving host lurched forward once more. The dwarfs fought on resolutely, never once giving in to their fear, but it was a hopeless fight. The dwarf king challenged Conrad to single combat, but the blood count instead dispatched Wallach Harkin, the grand master of the blood knights, to fight as his champion. Harkin killed the dwarf king after a bitter duel, and gorged himself on the royal blood of his slain foe. Within the next hour, all of the dwarves were dead. Conrad was so unwaveringly vicious that, confronted with his wrath, the three claimants to the imperial throne put aside their differences and combined forces on two separate occasions against him. The first was at the Battle of Four Armies, an inconclusive clash fought outside of Middenheim in 2100. This battle was most notable for the infamous scene of treachery where Ludwig's son and successor, Ludwig, and Attila IV of Tablecland treacherously ordered the assassination of each other during the fray. After all, a battlefield is the ideal place for a blade in the back. In the chaos that followed their mutual destruction, the nobles of the Empire desperately sought to unite under a single leader. Helmut of Marienburg was the prime candidate. A conclave of elector counts assembled at Averheim to decide the matter. Even as support for him was gathering in the council hall, Helmut began to act erratically, struck dumb and vacant at a critical time. Helmut's skin began to peel away, and one of his eyes dropped out, much to the horror of the assembled counts. Even Helmut's son, Helmar, refused his father's claim to the throne once it was discovered that Helmut was a zombie under Conrad's control. Conrad doing a little bit of weekend at burning the uh, elector counts in this story, which I find really humorous. Discovered, Conrad's necromancers fled with their zombie emperor-to-be. Enraged that his devious plan had failed, Conrad slaughtered his way from Averheim to the Howling Hills, putting to the torch every town and village he came across. Grim Moor marked the second alliance to face Conrad von Karstein. 
Here in the spring of 2121, a combined host of men and dwarfs finally met Conrad's host. Conrad was so incensed he ordered his army to attack the combined forces arrayed against him, rather than retreat further. As before, the armored warriors of Conrad's elite withstood the punishment dealt to them by the handguns and war machines of the Empire and dwarf gun lines, striding relentlessly forward. But then, the regiments of undead faltered. The magic that bound them seeped away and they collapsed. Conrad's necromancers had betrayed him and fled. It was only Conrad's raw will and innate vampire abilities that kept any semblance of his army animated. But the effort proved too much. In a mad fit, Conrad wandered away from the battle, shouting maniacally. The dwarf hero Grufbad captured Conrad and held him down while the elector Count Helmar impaled his father's killer with his runefang. So that gives us a little bit more detail. A lot of the bits that are added in the later eras make the story a little bit more fun and interesting. I really do like the zombie emperor plan that Conrad had to take over the empire. Probably doomed from the start, but still quite a interesting idea. Now let's look at Conrad through the eras. First up is in 6th edition. As I mentioned, he didn't have rules in 6th edition beyond a single scenario, the battle at Essen Ford. And he would take up two hero slots in your army during that scenario. He is 440 points, which for 6th edition is about par for the course. However, he is an absolute monster. Check out this stat line. Movement 6, Weapon Skill 9, Ballistic Skill 6, Strength 5, Toughness 5, 4 Wounds, Initiative 8, 6 Attacks, and Leadership 9. That is almost a Hero Hammer level profile in 6th edition. Very, very powerful. He is armed with a great weapon and always carries the Ring of Night. He has no armor and he is a level 1 wizard and can use necromantic spells or the Lore of Death. What's interesting about this is we know from the fluff that Conrad is not a spellcaster. He's not good at it. Necromancers laugh at his pitiful magical powers. This is the only profile in which we will see Conrad able to cast spells. His special rules are bloodlines. Conrad mixes some bloodline powers here. He has Summon Bats, Walking Death, and Summon Wolves from the Karstein family list, but he also has Red Fury from the Blood Dragon list, giving him a further boost in combat. He also has Fits of Rage. Conrad must take a leadership test at the beginning of each of his turns. If he fails, he will be affected by Frenzy until the beginning of his next turn, when he will have to test again. With Leadership 9, you're probably not failing this too much, and Frenzy isn't the absolute worst thing. He is going to have seven attacks with Frenzy, which is a little wild. He has a single magic item called the Ring of Night. This magic jewel has the power to draw a cloud of concealing darkness around the bearer. Gives him a five-up ward save, which is his only real defense other than that toughness of five. I like a lot about Conrad here. He is hugely expensive at 440 points, but that's what you expect from a 6th edition special character. The only thing I don't like is that he is armed with a great weapon, wasting his initiative of 8. I'm not super into that. However, it does mean that he is strength 7 with 6 or 7 attacks, so maybe you don't even care. He's got 4 wounds as well, so he can take a hit or two. 
that five up ward save and that five up toughness might keep him safe. I've definitely seen worse special characters in 6th edition than Conrad. It's a bit of a shame that he was only created for a scenario. Now let's move into 7th Ed. 7th Ed saw Conrad graduate to being a proper special character in the army book. And he is a hero level character in this book, which is an interesting take on him. I kind of think he shouldn't be a hero level character because I don't like him with only two wounds. This is a guy who caused major problems for the Empire, was a lord both literally and figuratively, I guess, of of vampires. I think he should be a vampire lord, but this is what we get. In 6th edition, he is movement 6, weapon skill 7, ballistic skill 4, strength 5, toughness 4, 2 wounds, initiative 6, 3 attacks, and leadership 6. A big step down from his 6th edition profile for the Battle of Essen Ford. He is carrying a hand weapon, he wears heavy armor, and he has the Sword of Waldenhoff. So his magical sword, any model wounded by the Sword of Waldenhoff, after saves, etc., loses two wounds instead of one. Conrad may use the Sword of Waldenhoff and still benefit from his additional hand weapon. Well, that's nice. So four attacks for Conrad. But wait, there's more. He has the Red Fury power that gives him plus one attack for each wound inflicted. He also has infinite hatred, which allows him to reroll all missed close combat attacks. These things combine to make Conrad a very scary fellow, particularly good in duels with other heroes. He has the special rules Undead and Vampire, which you might expect. He also has one of my favorite named rules, one bat short of a belfry. At the start of each of Conrad's turns, you must determine the state of the mad vampire's fragile mind. Roll a d6. On a roll of 1, 2, or 3, Conrad is subject to the rules of stupidity until the start of the next turn. On a roll of 4, 5, or 6, Conrad is subject to frenzy until the start of his next turn. Conrad may become subject to frenzy even if he has previously been beaten in a round of combat. So, a little bit more random here. Uh, He's leadership 6 now, instead of leadership 9 like he was in 6th ed. So, you are (laughs) really likely to fail that stupidity test if you get that. So that is something to keep in mind. I've seen that happen in games too, where Conrad has been taken, where he's just kind of stood around for two or three turns of a battle. Luckily, the Conrad of 7th edition is not going to cost you anywhere near the Conrad of 6th edition. Conrad is only 145 points here. He's a fun character. He's not a reliable one. You wouldn't take him in a tournament list or if if you were playing for keeps because of his unreliability. Great for narrative play, though. Really fun. I still don't like the fact that he's a hero and not a lord, but uh, it is what it is. I think you can still have a lot of fun with him in 7th edition, though. Finally, let's go to Conrad's ultimate form here. 8th edition, Conrad von Karstein. Now, in this one, Conrad is still a hero-level character. There are some changes here. He goes up to 160 points, and we'll see there is a bit of a reason for that. He, He does get a stat line upgrade or two. So Conrad is movement 6, weapon skill 7, 
Ballistic Skill 4, Strength 5, Tough 4, 2 Wounds, Initiative 6, 4 Attacks, and Leadership 6. Very similar to his 7th edition profile, but a couple stat boosts there. Extra attack on his profile. He has the Vampiric Power Red Fury. And in this edition, it works like in 7th, but just a little bit differently. For each unsaved wound that the vampire causes in close combat, it can immediately make a further attack. These attacks do not benefit from Red Fury, so you can't have infinite attacks. An attack that automatically kills an enemy counts as having done an amount of wounds equal to the number of wounds the model had remaining. So that is a nice way for Conrad to become a blender and just butcher his way through a lot of single wound infantry or cavalry. His special rules are Hatred, The Hunger, Undead, and Vampire. So Hatred we all know and love. That's going to give him some nice rerolls there. The Hunger allows him to possibly reroll wounds. Whenever a character with his special rule kills one or more enemy models in close combat, roll a d6 at the end of the close combat phase. On the roll of 6, the character recovers a single wound lost earlier in the battle. He's only got two, so <laughs> that is nice for him. That's just the basic vampire rule come 8th edition. He still has one bat short of a belfry. At the start of each of Conrad's turns, you must determine the state of the mad vampire's fragile mind. Roll a d6. On a roll of 1, 2, or 3, Conrad is subject to the rules of stupidity until the start of his next turn. On the roll of 4, 5, or 6, Conrad is subject to frenzy until the start of his next turn. Note that Conrad may become subject to frenzy even if he has been previously beaten in close combat. This, I'm not sure if it has any change at all from 7th edition. I don't think so. He's still got that leadership of 6, so he is still tremendously unreliable. But that is kind of his thing, so you can't really fault him for that. And the Sword of Waldenhof also remains the same. Uh, it has the Multiple Wounds 2 special rule. So this was just kind of a cleanup of that rule from 7th to 8th edition where it became everything was multiple wounds X instead of does two wounds instead of one. Just an easier way to state that, make it kind of a universal rule. And furthermore, the Sword of Waldenhof and Conrad's hand weapon count as paired weapons. So that gives you a five attacks base with Conrad von Karstein, six if he's got Frenzy, and then, of course, Red Fury kicks in, you could see how Conrad could pretty easily butcher the front rank of a horde without breaking too much of a sweat. The issue with Conrad, of course, is always getting places because that stupidity can make him and whatever unit he is leading completely and utterly ineffective. Conrad is a really interesting character and one that I like because he is purely a historical character. We don't get quite enough of those in Warhammer Fantasy. We have some really famous ones like Grom, who exists only in the past of the Warhammer world. But I like that. I think there should be more of that in both Warhammer and Warhammer 40k. Warhammer, it got particularly dumb in the end times when you had characters who had complete full story arcs that had died and they came back because the writers wanted them to come back. Vlad and Isabella in the end times, to me, were completely inexcusable. They had an incredible, complete story arc that features Vlad almost overthrowing the Empire, 
Vlad and Isabella's eternal love and Isabella's sacrifice at the end because she doesn't want to live without him. And in the end times, we get this story that kind of taints, I feel, their legacy. I I think it's better if you have something that is a complete narrative that has a great beginning, middle, and end. Just let it be. Just let it be. We didn't need to see all of the weird cameos that we saw in the end times. Having Drakenfells was completely unnecessary. I understand that he is an important aspect of the early years of Warhammer Fantasy, but that is basically all he is. For a lot of players, they would never have heard of him, and the fact that he wasn't called Drakenfells during the end times, but I believe something like the Entity really bothered me. What I'm saying is that I like that Conrad had his moment, he had his story, he died, and he stayed dead. Is that too much to ask? I I guess it is when your primary focus as a company is not creating good narratives, it's making money. I got really salty there for a second. (laughs) The end times, every time I read the end times, it gets a little bit dumber, I think. I've been going over it recently for some research, and man, I like it less and less every time I, I read those narratives that they put in those books. Well, that's about going to do it for this one. I hope you've enjoyed our little mini episode bonus on Conrad von Karstein. Until next time, have a great week. Thanks for listening to the War Games Orchard. If you enjoy the show, why not join us on Patreon? There you'll gain access to all of our bonus content for any level of donation. It's a great way to help us keep going and enjoy extra Orchard content. If Patreon's not your thing, please consider giving us a five-star review on your podcast platform of choice and sharing this show with friends. If you'd like to get in touch, you can find us on Facebook at The Warhammer Orchard and The War Games Orchard, or by email at wargamesorchard at gmail.com. <laughs> <laughs>